This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning, everybody. Everybody excited to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can be more excited. Okay. Okay, now it's cold. But... Uh, don't let that stop you. <laughs> Wonderful. Such an honor and a privilege once again for us to be here amongst you. And uh, so excited what the Lord is doing in our midst. Uh, are you excited? I'm thinking God is about to do great things. Amen. Uh, I want to start off with a prayer. And uh, I want to pray from Ephesians 1. When Paul prayed. For the Ephesian church and he said, Father, I thank you. I thank you for these wonderful brothers and sisters and I pray now that you, as we ready ourselves to receive your word, I pray that you would grant to each one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray God that you would come and flood every person here, flood our eyes, the eyes of our understanding with light that we might come to know more accurately the hope of your calling, God. I pray, God, that this morning that we would be able to recognize the incredible riches that you have that you have deposited, this inheritance that you have deposited in each and every saint. And I pray, God, that this morning that we will come to know the power that works in us and the power that works for us, for those who believe. The same power that you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him high above every principality and appointed him to be the head of your church. I also want to pray this morning that out of the rich treasury of your glory, that you would come and strengthen each one of us with might in our inner man by your Holy Spirit, that Christ will dwell in our hearts by faith, that we will be rooted in love and founded securely upon love and that we together with all the saints would come to grasp and have a deeper understanding of the heights and the depths and the length and the widths of the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. This love that passes mere knowledge. I pray God that we would become more intimately acquainted with you this morning God. Not just with knowledge but knowledge with experience God. And in that and through that, that praise would arise in the church to you forever and ever, God. We thank you. We thank you that you hear us, God. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the first week of a, of a series of about four weeks on on uh, the topic of prayer. And uh, who of you have heard sermons on prayer before? Most probably. If you've been saved for more than 10 weeks, you would, most probably would have done something about prayer. Um, who of you have read books on prayer? Who of you are currently reading books on prayer? I want to encourage you to, to keep on doing that. Um, but this morning, I want, to, I want to approach prayer maybe from 
from a different perspective. And I want to ask, who of you sometimes struggle with the issue of prayer? There's probably a lot of Christians. Who of you are highly disciplined in the area of prayer? Praise God. (laughs) We'll just wait for her to come and lay hands on everyone else, and then we'll be sorted out. The other night we we spent time with Johan. Sorry, it's Antoinette. Estelle, sorry about that. Estelle, we spent time with her. And you know, every time that Estelle opened her mouth, it was prayer. It was prayer. And it was so inspiring. And it was so beautiful to hear someone whose heartbeat is absolutely to converse with the Father. And uh, I'm trusting that through this series of prayer, teachings on prayer, that, that faith would truly rise in our hearts, that we would truly once again that the issue of prayer would be revived in our midst because before we will see a revival, there must be a revival of prayer. I mean, we've all read stories, amazing stories on revival and, and how it impacted societies and transformed societies, but none of those revivals came without prayer. Whether it was one person, two people, three people, loads of people, but prayer was always something that preceded revival. And we, we cannot get to revival if we do not get to this issue that we get the heart of God in prayer for revival. Amen? So this morning I, I pray that as we, as we approach prayer, and I won't be able to have a complete sermon on all the types of prayer, the prayers of thanksgiving, the prayer of supplication, I'm just going to talk about prayer in general, but I do want to start it from a perspective that we do not really start prayer meetings. In the book of Hebrews chapter 7, it says that Jesus is our high priest and he lived forever to do what? To make intercession for us. So when do you think is Jesus making intercession for us? Now, forever, even when we are not praying, Jesus is continuing his ministry of intercession before the Father. And not only just so, there is intercession, there is permanent intercession and worship in front of the throne. It it pulsates, it it never stops, it never stops. And, And we just sometimes dial in. When we decide it's time to pray or when we feel it's time to pray, we are dialing into an eternal intercessory prayer meeting. Amen? So you are never alone. Even if you sometimes feel that you're alone in prayer, you are never alone. As soon as you engage the Lord, you are, you are joining an eternal prayer meeting. Amen? You are in, whenever we sing songs of praise, we, we do not actually start praise and worship. We simply, we simply dial into something that's already taking place eternally. Before the throne of heaven. And, and uh, you know, we so often sing, we pray and we say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And this morning as we praise and worship, you know, sometimes we think that we need to sing songs so that something, we can start up something and stir up something in heaven. But it's rather to reflect something that's already happening in heaven and we simply joining in, and in a sense, that brings heaven to earth. And the same thing, with it's the same with prayer. Let's quickly go to Romans chapter 8. 
I don't have any Afrikaans words for you this morning, unfortunately. I'll be preaching in the Afrikaans meeting a little bit later, so please pray for me. Romans 8.28 says the following. Let's quickly go to, I think it's verse 34. Once again, verse 34. Who is there to condemn us? Well, Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God actually pleading as he intercedes for us. There's another proof that Jesus pleads with the Father. He is before the Father continually interceding for us. Let's go quickly then to Romans 8. Verse 26, it says, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought to. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in and on our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. I'm reading from the Amplified. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God on behalf of the saints according to the will of God. So where is the Holy Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit if you are a believer? Right? He's inside of you. The same Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. So inside of you, the Holy Spirit, is continually interceding and especially in our weakness. So even in areas, I want to encourage you this morning that even in sometimes in your areas of weakness where you think I'm not praying enough or I am weak in the area of prayer and I don't know how to pray and I don't know what to pray, that at that very moment, the Holy Spirit steps in and He takes your supplication and He takes your feeble attempts to 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 vocalize and verbalize what you want to say to the Father. And He actually comes and He makes that intercession on your behalf. So not only in the heavenlies is there an eternal intercessory meeting, but also inside of you because of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, even if you think that you are weak in prayer, maybe you're not, maybe you are weak, but when you are weak, the Holy Spirit is so, so strong. Amen. That's something to be encouraged about. Because I want to encourage you that it's, that we, if we, if we come to the place that we realize that prayer is not so much a duty, but it is a place of privilege. It is a place of privilege that we have, that the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit is inviting us into. They are inviting us into the divine conversation. That God wants you, God wants you to share with Him with what's on your heart. He wants you to come with your attempts and what's really important to you. And He wants to come and He say, my son, my daughter, come. My throne of grace is open because of Jesus. You can come boldly. You can come with your, with your eloquent prayers, but you can also come with your feeblest attempts, but just keep on coming. And that is a, uh, that is, what I realize more and more is that I don't have enough discipline to have discipline. And I've tried in time past because I know, like exercise, who of you know that exercise is really important? Who of you exercise regularly? 
the hands dropped considerably. So when you ask people, if you ask Christians, do you think that prayer is important? Most Christians will tell you it's the most, almost the most important thing. And if you read books by Andrew Murray, you feel like, oh man, I'm not even saved. And I've just uh, recently started reading a book by Reese Howells because this whole thing about intercession and prayer, the Lord has just highlighted again and again like exercise to me. And I'm struggling. So I thought, maybe if I read books on prayer heroes, maybe if I read something not as convicting as Andrew Murray, maybe if I read read Reese Howells, I will feel better. And I started reading Reese Howells' intercessor. He was a Welshman that prayed and amazing things happened. and, And the course of world events were really changed by the prayers that, that this man and his intercessors and as I was reading this book, I was like, man, Jan, are you saved? I mean, I was so convicted by this guy's discipline. I was so convicted by this guy's ability to just lay everything down, his hobbies, his sport. He was a good boxer. He laid that down. He laid everything down and gave himself to pray for the body of Christ. And I, oh, I wish I could be like that. Who of you suffer from that same ailment? Many good intentions, but not so many good actions. Many of us. And then I started realizing, if I worship Him, if I see Him, I want to engage. When I feel I have to engage to see Him, to earn. It's too hard. Wendy, can I get you upstage for a, for a moment or two, please? The lady coming up is the most beautiful woman in the world for me. She is my helper. You can see that I need a lot of help. So God gave me a great helper. And you know, if, if someone asks me, Do you love Wendy? Without blinking an eye, without having to think about it, I would say, of course. But I also want to say to you that in our marriage, there has been times where, in my head, my love for Wendy hasn't changed. But in my practice, I've neglected her. And it's been while we're in ministry. It wasn't while I was in in sin or rebellion against God. It was just the busyness of life and stuff and important things that needed to happen. And I get distracted very easily. Uh, When I read, I get very focused and I'm there, but I'm not there. And so despite the fact that I love her, I didn't engage always. But when I did engage, it was really good. Really, really amazing. And I thought by myself, Jan, why don't you engage more? Because when you engage, it's better than just thinking and having an intention of loving. And then I realized that when I behold her, when I put my mind upon her, I want to engage. It's not one of my duties as a husband 
I've got to spend time with my wife and I've got to look at my phone. When is my date? And date nights are wonderful. I love date nights. But if date nights, let date nights help you. But don't let it be the only source of why you want to spend time together. Let it help you as a tool, but eventually it's got to be in your heart. It's got to be in your heart that you want to engage, that you want to spend time. Before I engage too much with you. And and I realize that as soon as I start worshiping, as soon as I start praising, as soon as I turn my attentions away from what my mind is busy with, and I start seeing God, and I start singing about God, and I take the Word of God, and I just start reading, all of a sudden, I want to engage. And there was one stage when I said to Wendy, and, and she felt that uh, my books were more important to me, and my, my Kindle and my phone was more important to me than her. I just told her, come and fetch me in my world. I'm weak. She said, but if it doesn't come naturally, then don't do it. I said, well, it doesn't come naturally, so please help me. You are my helper. Come and help me. If I'm distracted, if I'm gone, just come into my world. And I want to tell you when I'm reading, and she comes, and I'm I'm reading, of course, a Christian book on my Kindle. And she would just come, and she would just come, and she said, Jan, can I have some attention? It's like, book, what book? (laughs) Because I saw her, and my mind was changed. My, My attentions were drawn away from what I was busy with, and it was drawn to someone that I love. And I realized that when prayer for me is, I haven't prayed today, I've got to get to my prayer time, I've got to, you know, I really struggled. But when it came from a place, when I realized, who is it that invites me? It is the creator of all creation. It is the one who made everything. It is the one that created and sustains everything. It is the omnipotent God, the one that knows everything, the God that is all-powerful. It is Him Himself that is drawing and inviting me, a mere mortal, one of his creatures that he created. He says, come, my son, come. I want to spend time with you. What's on your heart? What is on your heart? We've been, I believe that there's a, we spend a lot of time about identity and about being aware that we are sons and daughters and he is our father. What is the greatest joy of a father? Is that his children will spend time with him. And actually want to spend time. I know when they become teenagers, it's like they don't always want to spend time with me. But I want to, I want to say to you, when my children were small, I just enjoyed that they spent time with me. I wasn't too concerned that they had everything sorted out. I wasn't too concerned that they verbalized everything correctly. I didn't. I was not too concerned that they asked for the right things in the right way. I was just loving the fact that they spent time with me. And even sometimes I remember Vian David would often, when he was a small boy, he would say, he wants a motorbike. And then, and then I would say, how big? He says, the biggest one. And, and then I would just play along and just, just love to hear how he thinks. 
And sometimes, you know, we, we think that we've got to pray right before prayer is effective. I want to say to you that the Holy Spirit takes your weakest prayer and He uses it and He brings it before the Father and you can spend time with the Father and you don't have to speak theologically correct all the time. I'm not against being theologically correct, but I want to say to you that I've said some stupid stuff to God and in that, He said, no, no, just look at the Word again. So it's in that moment of you trying to be clever with God and, and he gently comes and he, and he just speaks into your heart. And I want to encourage us all that not to look at prayer as one of your chores or one of your Christian duties and even one of your disciplines as good and as wonderful as disciplines are. I want first and foremost for prayer to be beautiful beautiful privilege that the creator of all creation says come come let's reason together i want to hear i want to share my heart with you the plans that i have for you the plans that i have that you would prosper not to do you harm the plans that i have for you for a good future and hope i want to share it with you i want to i want to come into conversation and i want you to come to me because i want to share that with you I want to bring that to your heart. I want to drop that into your heart. I want to encourage you when you are discouraged. I want to, I want to comfort you when you are mourning. I want, to, I want to rejoice when you are rejoicing, when you see what I'm doing, and it creates this attitude of worship. Oh, God! That is what God is inviting us into. That is what Jesus made a way for us to come at any time. It doesn't matter where you are. You can come. You can come. You don't have to clean yourself up. You can come as you are. It's as you come that you are cleansed. It's as you come into His presence, as you, as you approach Him, knowing that you are a son, you are a daughter of the Most, God, Most High God, and you're not coming because you are worthy. You are not coming because you have made a way. You are coming because Jesus made a way for you. And He didn't make a way just once for you to come to salvation. But as you believed in Him, He opened the door. The throne of grace is now open to you every single moment. When you are in need of grace, it's open. When you are in need of mercy, it's open every single moment. And the King of kings and the creator of all creation says, Come, my sons and my daughters, come up here. Come. But Jan, you don't understand. I am a mere mortal. I am but a woman. I am but a man. Let's go to the book of James quickly. James chapter 5. On the issue of prayer, verse 13, If anyone among you afflicted or sick, you should pray. If anyone glad at heart, he should sing praise to God. Is anyone among you sick? You should call the church elders and they should pray over him, anointing him with oil in the Lord's name. And the prayer that is of faith will save him who is sick and the Lord will restore him. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess to one another therefore your faults and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. 
the earnest prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. The earnest prayer of a righteous. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are righteous. You are not becoming righteous. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are righteous. And the Bible says here in James that the prayer, the earnest, continued, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person makes great power available. Your ability to make great power available, not only for your own situation, but the situations of others around you, is in this thing that God says you are righteous, you can come. He's inviting you to come. And that prayer makes great power available. Ask the person next to you, are you, have you been saved? If they're not saved, ask them, do you want to be saved? If they say, I have been saved by Jesus, then say to them, you have been declared righteous. Your prayers has the potential for great power to be released. Not the prayers of some elite group of people that are prayer warriors. But every righteous person has a petition, has a way, has a way to the Father has the ability to come before the Father. Now, there are others that are really love pray. You know, we had a guy in our church in, in Wellington, Dr. Cassie Duplessis. Now, Cassie, he is what I would call a prayer warrior. If there was a 5.30 prayer meeting, Cassie would get up at 4.30 to pray for the prayer meeting. And he did this as a lifestyle. You would not, when there was a prayer meeting at Cassie's house, when you got up, when you got to Cassie's house, you stepped in, you can sense the presence of God, and you know this man has been praying. I think he prays for the prayer, for the prayer meeting. He might even pray for the prayer that he prays for the prayer meeting. I don't know. I think he just prays all the time. But Cassie has this ability, but what it, what happens if I spend time with Cassie? is at first I feel a little bit condemned, and then I quote the scripture, Thank you, Lord, there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that there is conviction. And whenever I spend time with Cassie, when I walk away from him, I also say, I want to pray like this. So I agree that there are people that are at the moment maybe a little bit of a, bit of a more of a prayer warrior than you are. I want to encourage you to spend time with them. Go and seek them out and pray with them. Because they, they can impart something and they can inspire you to, to continue in prayer. But your prayers, your prayers, is the key to revival. If you want to say, if you want to see revival, I want to encourage you. You are the answer through your prayers. To petition God for that. Now listen to this, verse 17, in the context of the prayers, the prayers of a righteous make great power available. It says, Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have. Some translation says, he was a man just like us. Just like you. Elijah. We're going to get into Elijah's story in a moment. But keep this in mind. 
The Bible says Elijah was a man just like us. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops. Let's quickly go to 1 Kings chapter 18, and we'll find what he's talking about. Just going to display my amazing Bible knowledge. 1 Kings is just before 2 Kings. Now that I've awed you. Now the first part of chapter 18 goes about Elijah first. Elijah was a prophet in the reign of King Ahab. And uh, there was a lot of other prophets that prophesied to please the king. But Elijah was not that guy. Elijah, he prophesied exactly what the Lord said. Obviously some of his words were not as encouraging. In fact, when later when King Ahab asked Obadiah, who was one of his um, one of his, his palace um, administrators, he asked him, is there another prophet, is there a prophet in the land that can prophesy into this area of drought? And he said, there is a man called Elijah. So is there someone else? Because Elijah always prophesies stuff that's bad. You know, he never prophesies something that makes me feel good. He's always got something to say that's not good about me. It's like, maybe I, uh, it's because there wasn't a lot good about you. Because it says Ahab was one of the worst kings ever. But at least he asked for the prophets, although he wanted good prophetic words. And, and there, was this, there was this, the Baal prophets, and he put up, he married Jezebel, and uh, he put up a, a big Baal a worship idol and another one. And he allowed the people to worship other gods. And then Elijah said, okay, call me Ahab. And, and he, he, he prophesied and said that there would be drought. And there was drought. King didn't like it, but it happened. And then there was a showdown between the Baal prophets and Elijah. And we, most of us know that story on how he called the Baal prophets and the other um, prophets of uh, um, Asherov. And what he did is, he said, okay, we, we're going to have like a, a show off here. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a bull, and I'm going to take a bull. We're going to cut it up, put it on the altar, and pray to your God. So the guys prayed and prayed, and they danced, and they did everything. And later on, Elijah was mocking them and said, is your God asleep? And uh, some translations even describe that word, uh, is your God on the toilet? Where is he? And... So you could see Elijah was not, oh, let's just let them do their thing, be respectful, you know. So. <laughs> no, he was in their face. Come on, guys, is your God, what's wrong? And the guys were dancing and they fainted and, and then said, okay, my turn. And he, he built this altar that was broken down and he built it up with 12, 12 stones and put it on. And then he said, okay, make like a moat around it and fill it with water. Pour water over, let's make it more difficult. Pour water over over the sacrifice, and then, okay, do it again, and do it a third time. The thing, I mean, even the moat around the altar was full of water. And Elijah prayed, fire came down, consumed the sacrifice. The bold prophets and everybody ran. Elijah ran after this, and my son loved this part, and Elijah killed them all. My son loved that part. And 
Then it came, let's go quickly. To the end and then, so I, verse 41, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So he prophesies that there will be abundance of rain, and he says to the king, Go, okay, you can go and eat and drink now. The rain is coming. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed himself down upon the earth, And he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and said, There is nothing. Elijah said, Go again. Seven times. So here is Elijah. Elijah is a man just like us. So Elijah, this mighty prophet of God, amazing power display, understands the will of God. He goes and the bold prophets lose. He prophesies that rain is coming. And then he goes and prays according to the prophecy, and nothing happens. Anybody like Elijah? God has given you words, and you start praying, and you're praying there's nothing. There's nothing. And we pray again, and there's nothing. And we pray again, and there's nothing. And then we start murmuring, God, I'm praying. You gave me the word. God, what's... Happening, maybe I'm, I'm not praying right. You know, I've got to go for a prayer course. You know, I, I've got to I've got to confess there's sin in my life, and we go through the whole process of why it's not happening, instead of just continuing to pray. I'm not saying that there that the, there might be sin in your life that is hindering your prayers, but you know, I believe that as you spend time with the Holy Spirit, He'll convict you. Don't you try and figure it out. You you keep on praying and you keep on being in the Spirit. Because I think sometimes we actually counteract some of our own prayers by this whole process, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with my prayer, instead of just pressing into God, allowing the Holy Spirit to convict you of stuff that might be wrong. And for the rest, pray. And Elijah prayed and for six times. Remember, there was like almost a three-year drought. I mean, we had one-year drought and we were almost dying, you know. They had three years in a row, day zero. They physically had day zero. Three times. There was, there was very little water. And, and here is Elijah and he's praying. And it's, it's a clear blue sky. It's a desert sky. And he prays and he prays and he prays. And every time the servant comes back, what, uh, and, and what do you see? Uh, nothing. Keeps on praying. What do you see? Nothing. Keeps on praying. What do you see? Nothing. Keeps on praying. The seventh time. The, the messenger comes back. He says, Master, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Just just put out your hand like that and look at it. That's not very big, is it? Out in a clear blue desert sky, he sees this cloud the size of a man's hand. And he says, that's it. It's coming. How often when we pray, we want to see the full fulfillment of the promise before we will declare that it's the Lord. Before we will give ourselves completely to it. Before we will be as daring as to declare it. Because I used to be, I, I used to be the guy, uh, you know, I'll see when it's 
when it's truly done. And then I, I, I try to sort of make it better for myself and say, because if I say that it is and it's not, maybe God will look bad. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, Jan, I've been looking bad in the eyes of many people for thousands of years. Don't worry. You just declare what you believe I'm doing. Declare it without fear. Declare it without fear. I want to encourage you, pray. Continued, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous person makes great power available. It is not the casual, once in a lifetime, once in a crisis kind of prayer that makes great power available. But it's that continued to be like Elijah. God, you said, and therefore I'm going to pray. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to decree it. When I see the first signs of you moving, God, I'm going to declare this is God. This is God, and I'm going to thank you. And then he says, and said to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Elijah said, go again seven times. And at the seventh time, the servant said, a cloud as small as a man's hand is arising out of the sea. And Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab, hit your chariot and go down lest the rain stops you. In a little while, the heavens were black with windswept clouds, and there was a great rain, and Ahab went to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. He girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And the Amplified Bible says about 20 miles. Here is this old prophet. He sees the cloud. He says, you better tell Ahab he's got to go get to Jezreel. The water's going to stop us. And he takes his tunic and he, and he puts it into his belt. And this old prophet, and he says, the spirit, some translation says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he outran chariots. He outran chariots. Not for 500 meters. Some, some, some resources will tell you that it's about seven miles. This is about 20 whether it's 7 or 20, it's not 500 meters. It's not a quick little sprint. I mean, that's for an oldish prophet that had no history of CrossFit or running, <laughs> outrunning a chariot of people that were making it for the city because the storm was coming. And this prophet outran. Can you imagine that in your mind's eye? I want to say to you this morning that if we... Hold fast to the prophetic word of the Lord. And we pray according to what God has said. When we start announcing it and when it comes, there will be a supernatural capacity for us to outrun chariots. In Jeremiah it says, uh, Jeremiah says, how would you, you can't even contend with a footman. How will you run with the horses? We will run with the horses when the spirit of the Lord comes upon us. There are so many people that says, Jan, when revival come, you can't sustain it. You can't have meetings after meetings. You can't have daily meetings. You know, people will not be able to sustain it. And I'm saying, you're absolutely right in their own strength. They connect, cannot sustain it. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you are able to outrun chariots. And Elijah was a man just like us. We will see later on that in his fear... Just after this, what's amazing about Elijah is that one moment he has this amazing 
encounter with power, encounter with God. Then he, then he prophesies. And then the next chapter, you know, Jezebel sends him a letter and says, before this day is over, I'm going to kill you. And he runs. This prophet that has these amazing encounters with God, all of a sudden becomes fearful. And now he runs 100 miles on his own. Away from God. And away from what God has promised. And I want to say to you that Elijah is a man just like us. He's just like you and me. And he could make a choice how he would respond either to a threat or to the word of God. And when he chose God's way, there was something supernatural that happened in his own life. And I believe that in the time that we live, God is looking for a company of people that would once again take up that spirit of Elijah. Because everybody asks me, what is the spirit of Elijah? I believe that this is part. There are many facets to the spirit of Elijah, but I believe it's one of the things that is part of the spirit of Elijah. Is Elijah, there was a man just like us, but he prayed. And he kept on praying, and he kept on praying, and he kept on praying until he saw this cloud the size of a man's hand. But he kept on praying. And he understood. He understood not only what he was doing, but more than that, he understood who he was praying to. And as prayer is our privileged position before the Lord to release, not only to receive prophetic word, not only to receive answers, not only to receive provision, not only to to receive healing, but also to, to receive it, to give it to others, We stand in this privileged, privileged position to proclaim in the earth what God says. And that for me is part of being prophetic. Is being able to understand what the Lord is saying and respond accurately. There was a a response required when the Lord said to to Elijah, pray and there will be no rain. And pray now and there will be rain. He had to pray. He couldn't just wait. He couldn't just sit on the word. The Lord said, pray. And then he went and he prayed until he saw the fulfillment. And I believe that part of being prophetic is that we need to understand what the Lord is doing in our times and then have an accurate response to it. And a huge part of that accurate response is continually to come before the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, what is the next course of action? Show me your ways and teach me how to walk in them. And this this God who knows everything, that knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, who is the Alpha and the Omega, that is omniscient, that knows everything, He says, come my son, come my daughter, come. Jesus is already interceding the Holy Spirit. Come join us. Come join the Trinity in the divine conversation concerning the affairs of men. I believe that is what the Lord is not only only calling Shofar Church to, and not only Shofar Stellenbosch, but I believe it's a cry on the heart of the Spirit that a people of prayer would once again arise. Because the effective, the fervent prayer of a righteous person makes great power available. Powerful healing, powerful salvation, powerful transformation, Powerful restoration. Powerful anything that you can imagine. And God's calling you. Because you are righteous 
in Christ Jesus. Maybe as a, as a response, I, I always believe that God not only speaks to us to inform us, but God speaks to us to elicit a response from us. And, uh, and I want to ask you this morning, if, if you've been in a place where your prayer life has been sort of dry and dreary and, and failing, and you were struggling with the discipline of prayer even, I believe the Lord wants to come and touch you this morning and just blow life into that again. And just remind you that he is inviting you to a divine conversation. He is is inviting you into something supernatural. Remember what we read in the book of Revelation. We read in the book of Revelation that the prayers of the saints are being stored up in golden bowls. Who of you sometimes feel that your prayers hit the ceiling? That's just not true. Your prayers are gathered in golden bowls. And it's like incense. And there's going to be a time when when the angel comes. You can read that in in Revelation chapter 8. When the angel comes and he takes a censer, which is full of fire. And he, he mingles it with the prayers of the saints. The incense. And it's poured out on the earth with great effect, with thunder and lightning and earthquake and great effects by God. And that is what's happening supernaturally with your prayers. None of your prayers are ever wasted. They might not be answered right away, but they are heard by God. And they are gathered. They are precious to God. They are incense. They are an offering. It's not just your discipline, but it's an offering to God. When you approach him in prayer. It's precious. And incense in itself. Is sweet smelling. But when you put fire to it. There's an increase in that. In the fragrance. I want to encourage you this morning. That your prayer. Is also ministry to God. He is inviting you. To a whole new dimension of prayer and a whole new motivation for prayer. He wants to use your prayer to make great power available. If Elijah could do it, so can you. Because Elijah was a man just like us. Powerfully used by God like an ordinary man with fears, with failures. But whenever we turn to God. Supernatural stuff happens. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.